Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall, joined here by head coach Marks Figuera up here in the coach's offices at the Newman Flanagan Center. And uh, coach, you know, let's just kind of get right into a recap of last week, a couple more uh, real tough GPAC opponents, and we'll start with Wednesday night uh, here at home against uh, Northwestern. And it was an overtime game, a game that, that came down to the wire, a game where in the second half it, I felt like you guys had a, a couple opportunities to put that game away, and, and Northwestern's always a, a scrappy team, and they were able to find a way to push that game into overtime. And unfortunately, it didn't go our way. Uh, final score of that was 85-83. to 83. Uh, There were a couple nice takeaways. Austin Roteman had a great game. Uh, I think it was a career-high game for him. Uh, Jackson Lamb with a double-double in that game were a few of the good takeaways. But why don't you just talk about the Northwestern game and uh, what what do you think happened in those last few minutes that allowed Northwestern to, to cut that lead there in the last couple of minutes? Well, first of all, before we get into it, Matt, we are guestless today on the podcast, and I, I dropped the ball on this one. I, I, ha- I actually had somebody lined up, and we'll, we'll have them on a different time. And then I tried to get Jackson Lamb on here. And he's yet to respond to me today, so I'm assuming he's actually studying for finals right now and not just sleeping all day. But, yeah, not sure about that. But, uh, yeah, the Northwestern game, it was, uh, you know, a rocky start for us. We were down 20-8 to eight right out of the gate. Uh, they got a couple easy looks in transition, which, you know, was, was definitely frustrating. That was something we'd really kind of made a key to the game was their transition game, and, and we didn't do a very good job in the first half. But we, we really battled back, and, you know, we were down four at halftime, I think it was, or maybe only two, and, uh, you know, came out of the second half and, and started pretty strong. And that was something else we would talked about, you know, the couple games before that, we had not come out of the second half well at all. And it was one of those deals where it's like three straight games, it's quick timeout in the second half. And that wasn't the case. Guys came out and, uh, you know, the whole second half was really back and forth. I think we took our first lead maybe around the 10-minute mark. And then felt like we led for about seven down to a minute. And, and we hit a three to go up four. Went back down the other end, and, and we fouled a three-point shooter, made the shot, and won three. And that tied the game. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. It was a, it was a mishap of a play. And, uh, you know, then both teams had a look to, to win the game. We both missed. And then in overtime, came out, hit a three right away, and, and felt pretty good about it. You know, and then we went a, a few empty possessions offensively, and I thought we played pretty good defense, but you know, got behind a few points, and then you get down under a minute, and and you have to foul, and you have to get into the situational stuff, and we just we couldn't find a way to get it done that night, and you know, it's frustrating, and you you look at it, and some of the things that happen in the final two minutes or in the overtime, they really get magnified, and, and that's not really fair, you know, because there's a lot of things that that went wrong or mistakes that were made throughout the game and that was that was our point to the guys after the game and the next day as well was you know we really lost the game in the first half in my opinion you know we gave up some offensive rebound um, second chance points and we gave up a bunch of transition points and those were two of our three defensive keys for the game and and we need to do a better job of of executing that and making sure we take care of that you know so some of the things that happened later are going to get magnified but it, it was really in my opinion, early the game that we lost. Let's talk about Austin Roteman a little bit because he uh, contributed a lot 
getting you guys back into that game with some big threes. I know, you know, his freshman year, I, there were some early flashes that he was a nice finisher around the rim, had some finesse. Did you recruit him as a guy who could step out and kind of be a perimeter five who could take some of those shots? Because, I mean, he, he seems comfortable with that shot. You seem comfortable giving him the green light with it. That's got to be nice to have a guy who can stretch the floor really from anywhere. Yeah, it is. And that's something, you know, when we recruited Austin, you know, we had a chance to watch him play quite a bit in the AAU side of things. And uh, he played in the same high school conference as Andy Geelan did. And so as we recruited Andy, who's a year older, you know, we, ran, we saw Austin a couple times when they played against each other. So we knew about him, and, and he was a guy that, you know, we thought could really be an inside-out threat offensively. And, and that's what he's become. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this year he's, he's just more confident than he's been before. I think he's more comfortable in the offense. And, and it shows in how he's playing. You know, his numbers are up. His, his percentages are up. And he's done a really good job for us. And he's, he's also an underrated passer. You know, he's one of our team leaders in assist. And, and part of that's by design because he has a good feel to, to make the reads when the guards are making all their cuts and screens and that. And so to, to see him have a huge game like that was awesome because he's, he's definitely capable of doing that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be the last time Austin scores 23 this year. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's fast forward then to Saturday. Uh, you guys were over at Morningside, tough place to play. Uh, they were just coming off riding a high of the, their football team, uh, getting a big win. So uh, a game that, that was kind of back and forth, I think, there early. And then uh, in the second half, they, they spread things out a little bit. But you guys made a nice push uh, towards the end. And I, the final score was it was a nine-point spread in that game. But I think it was up as many as in the 15 to 20 range, somewhere in there. Um, but, you know, you guys were resilient and, and really never let it fully get away from you. Morningside's a, a dang good team. Uh, what did you see that you liked, uh, you know, out of your squad as you went across town, played in a tough place to play against a top five team, a top two or three team in the United States? Yeah, you know, you know, first of all, it's a fun game to play in, you know, across town rivalry and, and big crowd and, and big time atmosphere and all that. And, you know, we talked to the guys early last week about having you know two rivalry games in the same week that's pretty fun and and when you're in the moment and you're trying to win games you lose sight of it but you got to remember you got to have some fun in those games too and uh you know we I, I liked the way we started yesterday had some good things going offensively had an early lead and then we just we went on a really bad offensive drought we went seven consecutive empty possessions and we went from we were up a point the next thing you know we're down 12 or 13 and, uh, you know, that was one of the two chances I thought we had to just fold and get blown out. And, and we didn't. You know, guys guys battled even the rest of the half. We were down 11 at half. Jackson hit a big three right before halftime and, and came out of the second half and had a nice start, scored right away, got a stop. And, you know, we had one more little lull offensively where it was five empty possessions and their lead went from, I think, 7 to 15, just like that. And, you know, then we were in battle back mode. And, and the guys did a really good job of battling back. We came up with some big defensive stops. I think we turned them over three straight possessions um, while we were on a run. We cut it to four, I think, at one point. And, and even, even in the loss, some of those possessions in the second half, especially as we were battling back, I, I can think off the top of my head, four or five just wide open, uncontested threes that we just rattled in and out. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, that's what our offense is designed to get. And, and if we're getting that, 
you can't focus on the outcome of it, it's a good possession. If you, if you have a wide-open three from a good three-point shooter, that's a great possession. And that's what we wanted, and, and we missed a couple. And, you know, Morningside, you said it, they're, they're really good. You know, they're going to be the number one team in the country this week. And, and there's a reason for that. They, they, they really don't beat themselves. They're really solid. They don't make a ton of mistakes. Um, and that's, that's hard to beat. And, and our focus was, and our, our big emphasis for the game was, we have to win all the little details. I thought for a lot of the game we did that. It was just those couple lulls that really hurt us. And, you know, at this point I, I sound like a bit of a broken record. It's been the same thing for these few games in a row now where it's, it's one lull in the first half and, and maybe a quick one in the second half that's hurt us. And, and we just have to find a way to, to not have those because we're so close to breaking through. Um, and, and in this losing streak, playing against some, you know, probably four – top 25 teams when the new poll comes out you know and so we're, we're right there I have a lot of confidence that we're going to get this figured out you know right now it's just we we have to find a way to put 40 minutes together um, and get that winning taste back in our mouth because that's that's a that's a good feeling and it's a contagious thing that we just need to get back we've had it already this year we just need to find it again yeah well and you know you've had arguably the top four rivalries for Briarcliff in a row here. So that's that's an extremely tough stretch. And all of those teams are, are playing very well. And, and the bad thing is you've got to face those teams again. But on the flip side, the really good thing is that you get to face all those teams again. So, you know, that's that's the plus side of, of you know, this playing in the second half of this conference is that um, now you've had a look and, and you get a chance to, to, you know, match up against all these guys again and, and uh, prove it later. So the season, you know, seven and five right now, um, one and five in the conference, but you know that's playing a tough stretch of probably the top four or five teams in the league. So, you know, going into the second half, how do you feel about you know your approach when you're going to come back? And I know there's a lot that'll happen between now and then, but you know how do you how do you keep the guys you know focused that there's there's still a season to play for and that nothing's out of hand yet? Well, it 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 goes back to what I've talked about a few different times, and I talked about to start the year. You know, our goal is to continue to get better. And that's a big focus right now because there are a couple little things that, that we need to improve on. And it's been a couple things that are hurting us in, in a lot of these games, you know, whether it be defensive assignments, game planning, scouting stuff, or whether it's offensive shot selection, turnovers. You know, we just we can't continue to go multiple possessions without scoring on the offensive end. And, and so we're getting there and we're showing flashes of it. And when we put it together for 40 minutes, that's going to be really exciting to watch. And it, it's one of those things where I think when that light bulb clicks on, it's just going to stay on and, and get brighter and brighter. And, and so I have a lot of confidence in our guys and, and how they're going to respond and the resiliency they've, they've had to this point. You know, and, and the nice thing is we have a short turnaround and we'll have one practice tomorrow and we're going to be back at it. So I know that our guys are, are, are staying together. I know they're tough kids. And I know that, you know, they know how to win. We just need to do it again. So, Coach, before we uh, turn over to this week's games, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about Jackson Lamb's game at Morningside. Just a, a monster effort, 38 points in that game, um, in a game where, uh, you know, I, it seems like teams are starting to key in on him a little bit, but he's still finding a way to get it done. What do you attribute, you know, his, his consistency and his success to? Well, he's really good. <laughs> um, 
you know, that's the stupid answer. But I, I think it I think it comes down to how Jackson prepares. You know, he works really hard. He's in the gym every single day, getting extra shots up, you know, and there there's even times right now where we're probably holding him back a little bit. For example, on Thursdays, we don't practice a whole lot. We do a lot of shooting, and we're going to start holding him out of that. Just try to reduce the wear and tear on his body because he's playing a ton of minutes, and, and we're asking a lot of him. But he, he was really good yesterday. You know, 38 points, and the way they were guarding him and just how good Morningside is defensively I think makes it more impressive. It's probably one of the, I don't know, top five or six most impressive offensive performances we've had in my time at Briarcliff individually. And we, we needed all 38 of those to stay in the game. And it was it was a day where, you know, some other guys didn't shoot all, all that well. And, and I'm going to bet quite a bit that we're not going to have a game where a lot of our shooters go cold at the same time again. You know, but, but Jackson, he was scoring in a lot of ways, too. He made a few threes. He was getting to the basket. He posted up, scored in the mid-range a couple of times, got to the free throw line a few times. And it, it was just really impressive to watch. And I, I think probably even more so as I watched the film late last night that, uh, I mean, he was really, really good. And that's, that's just something I've said it before, and I'm probably going to continue to say it. He, he's playing at an elite level right now. You know, I think he, he's averaging like 26 points a game. He's shooting over 50% from the field. He's in the mid-40s from the three. And that's that's something he and I have talked about a lot over the last couple of years is the more efficient you are, the better you're going to be. I mean, that's really simple logic. But he, he's really done a good job of that because he is, at the end of the day, he's a volume shooter still. And when you're a volume shooter shooting high percentages, obviously you're going to score a lot of points. But it's it comes down to just how hard he's worked to improve himself and – and how much time he's put in to, to better his body, be more consistent with his shot, consistent with his finishing. And, and I just can't say enough about the year he's having to date, and, and I fully expect that to continue. You guys play Grandview on Tuesday night, the 10th. That'll be at 7 o'clock here at the Newman Flanagan Center, and that kicks off a four-game non-conference uh, schedule again. Uh, over the holiday break, you guys will uh, will see Waldorf in presentation, a couple schools that you've already played this year again. So you have some familiarity with them. But let's start with Grandview since that's the game that's up this week. Um, that's another non-conference game that I think you guys have, have scheduled the last four or five, maybe even more than that year. So it's a program that – you know, you've been familiar with. There's been some back and forth in that in that uh, matchup. They've won a few, and we've won a few. Uh, what do you know about this year's addition to Grandview, and what style they're going to bring up to the uh, Newman Flanagan Center? Well, they're they're you know they're in a way they're kind of like us. They've had a little bit of a rocky start to their conference schedule. I think they're one and four or, or one and five as well. Um, lost some close games, some really good teams, and playing in the Heart of America Conference. You know, I, it's very comparable to the GPAC, in my opinion. It's an NAI Division One conference, but it's really deep from top to bottom. There's some really good teams in there. And so you look at their record, I think they're 3-7 and seven overall and 1-5 and five in their league, and that can be a little misleading because they've played William Penn, who's a top-five team in the country, and they've played Benedictine, who was the number one seed in the national tournament last year. You know, and so they've played some really good teams and played them close and uh you know so they're they're going to be they're going to be well prepared they're going to be well coached they play pretty much five guards uh try to spread you out a little bit um you know so it's a little different in that regard you know most teams we play are going to have a a big guy or some kind of a hybrid big guy and they really don't do that a whole lot 
you know, so that that poses some challenges for us. But it, I think there's some ways we can we can attack that. And I, I think one of the biggest things is when you have that situation, you know, we need to take advantage of that on the offensive end because as much as maybe we're mismatched defensively with our fives guarding a, a guard, they're going to be mismatched with us with a guard guarding a five, you know. And so there, there's different ways to attack that. But but we'll be ready for that. And, you know, it's it's I'm the most guilty of this too. Sometimes you get so wrapped up in what the other team's doing and the game planning. You, you just kind of let your own stuff slip a little bit. And, and that there's a – I mean that could be happening right now, and so our, you know, like we're going to really focus on ourselves tomorrow in practice. We're going to talk about Grandview. We'll walk through some of their stuff they do offensively and how we want to guard it. But it's really going to be making sure we're we're really tuned in and and locked into what we need to be doing, especially on the offensive side. His defense will change from here to there, but offensively, we're going to do what we do, and and we just need to do it a little more consistently and a little better over 40 minutes than what we have the last few games. All right, so just as a reminder, Tuesday, December 10th, that'll be this Tuesday, uh, at the Newman Flanagan Center, 7 o'clock. No women's game that night, so it'll just be the men's game at 7. Uh, Briarcliff will take on Grandview. Make sure you get down here. Uh, we're getting towards the end. Coach, are we in Christmas break yet for students, or when does that start? Uh, starting tomorrow is finals week at Briarcliff. Okay. And so I know all of our guys, as we record this on Sunday afternoon, are hard at work in the library or studying somewhere, you know, so, uh, guys, if you're listening, do a good job on your finals this week. And if members of the Blue Crew are listening, make sure you schedule in some, some relaxation time to get over to the gym Tuesday night at 7 o'clock to cheer Briarcliff on against Grandview. All right, well, we, ha we have kind of a surprise here. Uh, right at the top, Coach, you said that Jackson was, was probably uh, studying for finals, but he has surprised us and dropped into the office here, so we are not going to go guestless after all. Yeah, and he just admitted that he was indeed sleeping and not studying for finals. And, you know, Jackson, there's one thing listeners should know. Jackson's a guy who really stresses about his academics. And I think that shows in his GPA. It's somewhere between 3, 9, and 4. But, um, you know, I give him a hard time about it sometimes. But he, he is a really good student, and you see that with – was a scholar athlete last year was the email s liston award winner for the nai for this year you know so it's his hard work there's paid off just like it has basketball wise but uh so no no studying today jackson you all ready or are you done with finals don't have any because you're a senior and got it all figured out now uh no i definitely have finals but luckily for me i don't have a test till wednesday or thursday so i was taking the beginning of this sunday resting napping and getting prepared to study tonight. All right, so we were talking earlier about the Morningside game uh, before you got in here, and, and you had just a huge game, uh, 38 points. And we were talking about how, you know, I, I think you've always been considered a threat, but this year especially, you know, it seems like teams are kind of locking in on you in a lot of ways. Do you feel like you're having to, to work a lot harder for that production? Because it, not only have you not missed a step, but I feel like you're playing better than you've played throughout your entire career. So – I mean, how, how has it changed, I guess, on the attention that you've been drawing uh, individually, how you've kind of handled that? Um, yeah, I, def I mean, it's definitely harder to, to do things on the half-court offense just because teams just are kind of locked on at all times. Um, that's definitely something that's been different throughout the last three years because we've had other kind of playmakers like Eric and Jay. Like they, that, that was the people that had to take that 
bulk of the defensive uh, focus. So, so let's let's talk about this season a little bit, Jackson. You know, you guys are seven and five. Have gone through kind of a brutal stretch playing uh, basically most of the top teams in the conference. Um, you know, it's it's kind of uncharted territory in your career here. I'm not sure we've we've been close to seven and five. Um, so it's it's a little bit of, of kind of new territory for you and, and for this program. But, you know, that records can be misleading because uh, the way schedules get stacked and the way, you know, the ball can bounce in your favor or against you one way or the other, uh, it doesn't always tell the full story. So, you know, what is your focus as a leader of this team? You know, how how do you feel like you're responding or how do you need to respond or what 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 I guess are you going to you know, need to focus on doing to, to make sure that the guys continue to, to work and uh, make sure that they still have big goals kind of front and center in the front of their minds? Um, honestly, I just want us all to keep the mindset we had when we were right at the beginning of the season, right before the season, and while we were on that, like, seven-game win streak. It, I don't want that team around to get dipped any lower because right now it's it's still good, and we, we know we're so close. And, yeah, I mean, out of my time here, I don't – I can't remember a time besides my freshman year when we lost two or three games in a row, and it, it's it's definitely something that isn't the norm, and it's not going to be the norm once we get out of this. It's just we just need to get out of it, and that like everybody on the team knows that like we're so close, and we're gonna we're gonna get there. So, like we said, uh, you guys were over at Morningside on Saturday. Tough place to play. Um, as I mentioned, they you know had had some success on the football field that day, so I'm, I'm guessing they were a little extra amped up um, for that game. That was you know unless you know depending on how the conference tournament goes, uh, possibly the last time you'll play over in that gym. Uh, can you just tell talk a little bit about that that rivalry and you know despite the outcome, mm -hmm. what it's like to play against them in their place, you know yeah. possibly for the last time. Yeah. Honestly, that rivalry is probably one of my favorite rivalries, rivalry games, um, like ever. Well, like while I've been playing college basketball, and this year it actually got amped up a little bit because over the, like the last since the last time we played Morningside and like the first time this year, I became really good friends with Trey Brown, like really good friends through church at Sunnybrook and just getting to know each other. So coming into this game, I was actually kind of looking forward to it, like. I had actually had like a personal connection with somebody on the other side, and it was fun. Um, it was fun battling with him, and then just seeing like how good of a game he played too. It, it was good. It was good. But um, yeah, I, I've always liked that that rivalry and just the crowd support and the atmosphere. It just doesn't. It just doesn't get beat. No, so Jackson, before we started recording, you had you had mentioned that. Uh, you were behind on the last couple episodes of the BC Buckets podcast. And we're going to cut you a break because you've obviously been swamped with uh, a lot of games and, and studies, and you take that stuff seriously, which is awesome. Uh, so you have some catching up to do. Um, but I, I just don't quite get it. You don't seem as committed as a podcast listener as maybe Coach and I are. Yeah, that's the thing, Matt. I just, I just don't, get all, don't get all the hype about podcasts. I mean, you just sit, listen to two people talk, Matt and Coach Figueroa, and I just don't see, I just don't see the, the big hype about it. <laughs> wow, that hurts, Jackson. You know, because I know throughout your four years, just listening to me talk is one of your favorite things, and it's going to be one of your favorite memories when you leave Briarcliff here in the next seven, eight months, whenever that is. But uh, here, here's my thing with podcast. Especially this time of year, I spend a lot of time in the car. 
driving to high school games, recruiting, whatever. And it's, it's, a, it's a good time killer. And it keeps me from messing with my phone because if I'm listening to music, I'm going to be constantly shuffling through different songs and this and that. So if I turn on a podcast, you know, there's a couple that I listen to regularly that last an hour and a half. That's, that's Sioux City to Omaha right there. You don't even have to mess with it. And, and then you just kind of get into some of them. And, you know, I'm all over the board. I listen to history podcasts, sports podcasts, a couple current events podcasts. I'm, I'm all over the place. But uh, so you, you're, you don't listen to any outside of the BC Buckets podcast. That would be correct. Well, I can give you some recommendations when we're done recording. I've got a couple good ones you might like. So you've got finals this week. Jackson and then uh, Christmas break starts uh, and you guys have like a, we were talking about earlier kind of a stretch of non-conference games um, going in here how does your routine change uh, you know I, I could ask coaches but I'll just ask you what's practice what's the the team schedule look like during break since uh, you know your your schedule opens up a little bit more um, I think we play Clark on the 18th is it the 18th 17th on the 17th so we'll get a good probably through the 18th through the 26th home um obviously I'm not going to be in the gym and the Newman Flanagan Center getting shots up like I normally do but um it's just good to kind of go home kind of unwind a little bit but at the same time I still get in the gym and you still have the ball in your hands a little bit at least through that time and now you're a pre-med major I'm biology or biology like I want I want to be a PA though so it's kind of kind of similar so as a senior are you starting to kind of figure out where you're going to be heading for grad school starting to narrow down the list um actually about that I actually have to take a gap year next year because my dream is to go to the University of Iowa the PA school there and one of their requirements was you have to have bio biochemistry finished by the time of application and their Mm. deadline was like done in like October so I like was still taking the class and I couldn't um apply so I'm taking that gap here racking up some patient care hours next year and then trying to gonna gonna apply then but where I'm gonna be I I don't know it's kind of up in the air right now yeah well I just saw before we started recording I saw the Hawkeyes are playing USC in the Holiday Bowl how do you feel about that matchup that's the first you've heard of it that is the very first I've heard of it when did that come out uh just a a few hours ago it may not even be confirmed but it was Mark Morehouse or one of those guys who's kind of one of those beat writers for Iowa, uh, who who said it was uh, USC Iowa in the Holiday Bowl on December 27th, and I know you're a Hawkeye fan, so uh, maybe a little revenge opportunity from what 2002, 2003, whenever that Rose Bowl or whenever that Orange Bowl game was. Matt, I would have been five. <laughs> oh, that's right. You I know, that. Matt, I remember that game very well. That was my freshman year of college, and was also. As a freshman in college, that was the first time in my life that I had friends who were Hawkeye fans. You know, growing up in Nebraska in the 90s, I was an outlier, to say the least, as a Hawkeye fan. And, and the only person I knew that was really a Hawkeye fan was my grandpa, which is the reason I, I am a Hawkeye fan. But so I had friends who were Hawkeye fans. So it was cool. And they went 11-1 and regular season that year, won the Big Ten, went to the Orange Bowl and played USC, Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner. And there's two things that stand out to that game. Number one, C.J. Jones returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and I lost my mind. Yeah. And I, I was running my mouth, talking all kinds of trash about Iowa going to win the Orange Bowl. They got whooped. Yeah. But my maybe top two or three favorite play all-time Iowa football 
happened in that game. Matt Roth sacked Carson Palmer and did the Heisman pose yep. right over the top of him. Oh, and it was awesome. Man. And I know you remember it because you were just shaking your head oh. laughing the whole time I was bringing it up. As soon as you said there are two memories that you have from that game, I knew exactly what they were. Well, there, that was like the two highlights of the game. So there wasn't much else to, to hang your hat on as a Hawkeye That was fan. really all that happened for Iowa in that game, other than they got a, a free vacation, I guess, to uh, to uh, Miami. Miami. Um, but, yeah, it, I saw Iowa-USC. Uh, I saw Iowa State plays Notre Dame in the uh, Camping World Bowl, uh, which I assume is a December bowl. Uh, and then Nebraska, surprisingly, got a coveted post-January 1. Their next game, I believe, is in August of 2020. So uh, there's kind of an update on the, the local uh, D1 college teams there. Hear that, Bobby? Not this year, buddy. That's obviously a shot at – Former part-time co-host Bobby Beach Patterson, huge Husker fan. All right, so Jackson, we're gonna we're gonna keep you on here as we kind of move through the podcast. Uh, we interviewed you last year, so instead of kind of rehashing a lot of the same old things, we're just gonna have you join us as we talk through uh, coaches' life rules. Maybe we'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, and and we've got quite a few listener questions and comments this week, so that's awesome. Thanks for sending those in. We'll get to those here in just a second. Uh, but first, let's start with Coach Figueroa's life rules. Well, first. Jackson, you've been around long enough now, three and a half years with me almost every single day. You've heard a lot of my life rules. Any favorites or any just overall thoughts on my life rules? And as a disclaimer, giving Jackson an open mic on this topic is a big risk on my part. <laughs> Maybe another way. Do you, I mean, do you generally agree with Coach? Are your various life philosophies kind of in line with his? Or do you raise an eyebrow when you hear some of the stuff he talks about? Honestly, for the most part, I agree. He has some dang good life rules. Mm -hmm. Some things I don't even think about, and I'm just like, that's a dang good life rule. But I'm trying to think of one specific life rule that kind of sticks out over the others. What's, like, your top five? Do you have a top five? Well, my, my book titled Life Rules is still just a brainstorm in my head. And at some point, I'm probably going to need to rank them. But, no, I don't have a top five. The first one I ever brought up was on the podcast was spatial awareness. Yeah. And it was a – Yeah, I was going to think about that. I was also going to add you should probably take that life rule into consideration when he just runs into people whenever you just walks. Lutmer. Well, here's the thing, Jackson. When we're huddled in practice and people are crowding behind me and we're breaking the huddle – I've got to get out of there. So you can get out of my way or you can get run into. It's your choice, but you're the one impeding where I'm trying to go. I know you're there. That's not lack of spatial awareness. It's just that you're in my way and I'm going to move. All right. So what about when there's two people in the locker room? And I would say the locker room's good. How, how big do you think the locker room is? Oh, 400 square feet, four or 500 at, square feet. At least enough for him to do a little sidestep crossover not run into me when you're just walking through the locker room yeah but you got to understand sometimes that's on purpose that, that's again it's not spatial awareness it's to make sure you're paying attention keep you on your toes before practice making sure you're awake locked in ready to go this none, no example you've given is spatial awareness okay i can agree with that except it's probably more marking this territory you just Owns the place, I guess, or something. I don't know. So you think there's a little narcissism in it? Like it's it's the rule for everybody else, but Coach Figueroa can do whatever the hell he wants to? 
You definitely got to put that, yeah. That's what I'm trying to hint to. I disagree with that. <laughs> we're we're going to leave it at that. So this week, since Jackson's staying on for the back part of the podcast here, I'm going to abdicate my life rule for the for the week, and I'm going to turn it over to Jackson Lamb's life rule number one. All right, Coach, let's see if you agree with this one. All right, life rule number one for Jackson is the biggest thing that just drives me nuts is when, say you're just messing around with a buddy, friend, family member, grandpa, and you just give him a little nudge, just a little nudge, not not too hard, just a subtle tap on the shoulder, maybe like a little push saying good job, and they so and they go, ow, biggest life rule of all time. You only act hurt or say ow when it actually hurts. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The unnecessary ow is unnecessary. That'd be a t-shirt. That's, that could be a t-shirt. I could. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think, have you ever just tapped someone and they go, ow, and then you're like, that didn't hurt? Honestly, I can't recall the last time that that's happened to me. It probably has. It's just it's one of those things that probably doesn't happen enough to where I've ever really thought about it. But I agree with you. I mean, why are they saying, ow, is it more just a, a playful, like, ah, you know, horsing around or are they, you know, acting like they're really hurt just to maybe preserve some chance at a lawsuit or something like that. I mean, who knows? I know. And one person that was literally the worst at it was Jay Wolf. He'd be sitting on the couch watching his chiefs and I'd give him a little, Hey, the bears. And he'd go <laughs> and like, I'd tap him and he'd go ow, And I'm like, Jay, come on, that did not hurt, bro. <laughs> so maybe we should call him and ask him because apparently everything hurts him. There you go. So if it doesn't hurt, don't say ow. That's right. Boil it down. That's right. All right, now we got to get into champs or chumps, and we're gonna start. We're gonna start this um, because we. This has been kind of a controversial thing the last few weeks on the pod about you know, coach originally would elaborate on champ or chump and why he chose that. And then uh, there was uh, there was an indication that at a wedding or something like that. Yeah, Clay Harold and Corey Hobbs yeah. convinced me to stop explaining and just give a direct champ or chump answer. And now you sent me the, the comment Clay made. I disagree with what he's saying that he said. But, I mean, if, if Clay Harold's asking for – if he's asking for more clarification on why I'm choosing champ or chump, I guess I'll do it. Because, you know, he is the all-time three-point leader in Briarcliff until the guy sitting to my right breaks that here in the next couple months. So I'll, I'll give Clay a little, little leeway here. Yeah, and let me, let me read what he wrote just because I think uh, it will help folks who are listening to this to have some context. Uh, he, said we, he said, we said we wanted a definitive champ or chump, none of this neutral stuff. Uh, but we'd still like you to elaborate. But it has to be stating why you chose what you did and not saying it could go either way. So he says he hopes that clears up the recommendation, or he hopes that clears up their recommendation. So there you have it. Uh, so I'll just, Coach, it's up to you how you want to answer these moving forward. But now at least uh, everyone knows kind of both sides of the story. All right. So it's good clarification, and like we did for life rules, Jackson's going to jump in. So we're, we're both going to answer champs or chumps this week. All right, so we were talking about the bowl game, uh, and I was thinking back to uh, Iowa's bowl game last year where they played Mississippi State. Watching that game on TV, all you could hear was those cowbells the entire game. So my first champ or chump, uh, fan bases who come at you with noisemakers. Champ, got to want that cowbell. 
I'd say as a player and like as a fan, definitely champ. That noise can mess you up, especially in football. Wow, two champs. All right, I wasn't expecting that. I'm a ch- I'm definitely a chump on that. I hate listening to those things the whole time. Well, well, and uh, do we want to elaborate here? That's the problem. Now yeah, Clay Clay says we can elaborate now. Okay. So I All right. It adds to the atmosphere. It adds to now that was a bowl game, but in a in a home site, that's part of the home court home field advantage. You know, you see it in NBA arenas, you see it in college basketball, you certainly see it in football. That's part of it. I think it's awesome, and, and I don't think it should ever be limited. And if you get annoyed of it watching it on TV, mute your TV. There you go. All right, you convinced me. Coach Paul Cox we had on a few weeks ago probably – I don't know how he'd feel about those Vuvuzelas or whatever they call the things at the soccer Yeah, it's stadium. a big soccer thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to – another one, uh, I guess more football-related, but honestly to me this is a, a basketball question as a basketball spectator. Uh, standing and watching an entire game. Like you're in the arena or at the it's stadium? You. Yep, you are at the stadium. You're watching a game. Do you stand the entire game or not? That and chump. I don't there there's there's a time and a place you know I think it is cool there's certain places who they have a tradition where the crowd doesn't sit down till the first basket or 10 points or whatever but the whole game I don't I don't think I've ever been in a game that's done that nor do I really want to and on the flip side of it big chump if you're the person complaining about people standing like if I'm at a, a football game at Kinnick Stadium and Iowa just reels off a 50-yard touchdown, I'm going to stand up, and I'm not going to sit down because, you know, you tell me, hey, sit down. I'm not going to do that. You know, everybody's there to enjoy the game, so enjoy it. I'm also going to go with Chump. All right, here's my last one. We Last year especially, we talked a lot about coffee, and, Coach, especially your love for coffee. Jackson, I don't know if you're a coffee drinker or not, but uh, how about uh, this time of year, it's really popular, flavored coffee, Champ or Chump. Not the coffee itself, but ordering a flavored coffee. Yeah, this this one's putting me on the spot because there's a way I can come off as neutral, which I've been apparently criticized for. I'm just going to say chump. I like just good old-fashioned black coffee. I'm just going to throw it out there, though. Java City has a coffee this time of year called Sugar Cookie, which it's not creamer or anything like that. It's actually brewed into the coffee. And tastes kind of like a sugar cookie, and it's really good. But all in all, good old-fashioned black coffee, chump. I'm a champ. You got to drink what's good, and that flavored coffee is good. <laughs> Jackson, you said you had a champ or chump. What do you have? Yeah, champ or chump. Do you like Eric Erdman's beard? I'm going to say chump along with your goatee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, Jackson, you throw me an alley-oop, I'm going to dunk it. <laughs> Dang, you got me there. Matt, come on. Just, I'm, just I'm, you know what? As somebody who can barely grow facial hair, if you have the ability to do it, I think champ. Go for it. Uh, that's that's your right as as a uh, that's your right as somebody who has the genes to be able to pull that off. So I'm I'm certainly not going to judge anybody who can do it. Mine comes in in kind of little patches, so I just go clean shaven. It makes me look like a 12 year old because I've got this baby face, but that's kind of my my cross to bear until I decide to get serious about not eating like crap all the time. All right, so let's uh, let's get into listener questions and and uh, kind of speaking about weddings because we were just talking about that. 
uh, recent graduate, Dylan Janicek, uh, wrote in, with the wedding season coming to an end, um, and that's disputable too. I've been to a lot of, of really nice, fun winter weddings, so I don't even know what that means, but I assume he means uh, you know a lot of the former players and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we had a handful here in the in the fall of Briarcliff alums, so I'm, a, I'm assuming that's what he means. So he says, with the wedding season coming to an end, who will be the last alum of 2018 to get married? The last alum of 2018. All right, well, two of them just got married. So our options left are Jared Betts and Dylan Janicek. To the best of my knowledge, both have girlfriends currently. I'm going to say Dylan Janicek will be. I have no rationale for that. It's just a hunch. Jackson, you want to weigh in on that? Um, knowing both guys very, very well, I'd have to say, DJ, I'm sorry, man. That's going to beat you to it. All right, here's a question from Frank Erdman, and I have to apologize. He sent this in a few weeks ago, and, and I just missed it. So my apologies, uh, Frank, but we're going to get it on now. And uh, this is a question for Coach. What staff, what coaching staff, would win a three-on-three contest of GPAC coaching staffs? Uh, and just just so you know, he says his money's all over BCU. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably a no-brainer that we would. And, and it's funny because I, I've actually talked about this with other coaches in the league, and, and we've kind of compared and contrasted. And the bottom line is the rules that have been laid forth are it has to be the head coach, the assistant coach, and the grad assistant, which would be myself, Brian Forbes, Eric Erdman. There's a glaring weak link there. You know, Eric coming off an injury, I just don't know how good he is right now. <laughs> right, of course. But in all seriousness, there's a glaring, glaring weakness there, and that's me. But um, – just having two young guys that were stud players, I, I don't think there's any staff in the, in the league that's given us a run for our money. Great question, Frank. So here's a question uh, from Cade Hobbs. So he's the younger brother of Briarcliff legend Corey Hobbs, who uh, we had the privilege I can't wait for this of one. talking to very recently. Uh, he would like some tips from Coach Figuera on how to get Corey off his game when he's playing against him, being that you were so good at ruining him so good at ruining him in the box and I assume you mean psychologically just getting in his head yeah so we talked about the box free throw game I think a lot of it just comes down to you can do some of the simple stuff Cade talk while he's in his uh in his shooting motion throw him a bad pass that's always good you know bring up the fact that he never really got good deals while he was a student coach at Briarcliff you know just get him really thinking because I think Corey's game is really affected when he thinks. He's a, he's a no-nonsense, no-think kind of player. Make him think, and, and you're going to get the better of him. All right, so that's, that's the questions we have. But I do want to talk about uh, Austin Bush, another former student coach. Uh, he commented to the podcast that uh, perhaps we should add a dunk contest for student coaches as well in conjunction with the three-point contest that we've been talking about for the uh, alumni game next year. So – uh, I don't know. I don't know. Would the uh, field be pretty thin on that one? Well, at this point, I can't say with 100% certainty that Hobbs can still dunk. Bushy probably could. So it, it could just be a one-on-one -on -one contest. And, and you have to understand that the reason Bushy brings this up is because he's got no chance in the three-point contest. Not a great three-point stroke from Austin Bush. So he's trying to find a, find a spot where he can win. And I respect that. 
you know, but we might have to lower the hoop. Or I know on, on the tweet he put out, he had a picture of what I think is his daughter dunking on a, on a little tykes hoop. And maybe we get that one out for Bobby and, and some of the other guys. All right, so there you go. Uh, thanks for sending in those questions. If you have a listener question, comment, champ or chump. Uh, if you want Coach to maybe consider something for a life rule, please send those in either on Twitter at, at BCBucketsCast or through email at BCBucketsPodcast at gmail.com. All right, so we're going to go ahead and, and wind things down here. But before we do, we have to hit our shout-outs. Coach, what do you have this week? Well, just – Another shout out to all the people who are loyal every week listeners of the podcast, but one in particular, we got an email uh, late last week from a guy named Josh Bird, um, just commenting how much he liked the podcast, enjoyed listening to the recaps and and some of those things, and maybe I think the thing that stuck out is he's actually a Northwestern alum and played basketball for Coach Barry at Northwestern, but I appreciate you listening, Josh, and and thanks for your feedback, and it, it was great to hear from you. All right, I would like to give my shout-out to the one and only Kara Sfigera. I, I just want to say I admire the way you can handle Coach Sfigera, and thank you for the support that you give our basketball team, and you're, you're awesome. Hey, and I'm going to throw one more in there, Matt. Um, you know, football program's on the rise at Briarcliff, and then they do, they've done some great things here in, in Coach Wagner's first few years. And just came out late last week that we actually had two All-Americans, first time in school history. We had a first-team All-American on defense, Rob Robinson, um, and an honorable mention All-American on the offensive line, Corey Woodruff. And, and just knowing those guys, the little bit I do in passing, seeing them on campus, both great kids, Really, really talented football players. And so I think that's awesome for Briar Club football and, and obviously a huge honor and, and well-deserved for those guys. All right, so there you have it. Reminder, this week, Briarcliff plays Grandview at 7 o'clock here at the Newman Flanagan Center on the campus of Briarcliff. Make sure you get down here for that one. Uh, students, if you're, listening to the, if you're listening to this, take a break from studying, get down to the gym. Uh, maybe one of your last opportunities before you head home. And certainly to any students who are going to be hitting the road, uh, safe travels to you this weekend as you go home to celebrate the holidays with your family. So with that note, on behalf of Coach Jackson and myself, uh, we'll talk to you next week.